1: Hey, I lived in New York City and Manhattan all my life, okay? So, you know, my views are a little bit different than if I lived in Iowa, perhaps. I am pro-choice in every respect and as far as it goes. I am pro-life. Everybody knows I'm pro-life. But you still, I just believe in choice. There has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah. I've been told by some people that was a older line answer.
0: Hello and welcome to TrumpCast, the podcast about the dumpster fire known as Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. The white working class voter has taken on an almost mythical level of importance in discussions about the 2016 primary. Today on the show, I'll talk to Barbara Ehrenreich about the complicated relationship between economic decline, racial politics, and support for Donald Trump. But first, let's hear what Trump's been tweeting.
1: If at Megyn Kelly stopped covering me on her show, her ratings would drop like a rock. My H2H interview with Anderson Cooper beat her by millions. Is it possible for at Megyn Kelly to cover anyone but Donald Trump on her terrible show? She totally misrepresents my words and positions. Bad. Wisconsin has suffered a great loss of jobs and trade, but if I win, all of the bad things happening in the U.S. will be rapidly reversed. Does anyone like Lying Ted? The Club for Growth, which asked me for a million dollars in an extortion attempt, just put up a Wisconsin ad with incorrect math what a dumb group these incredible fantastic amazing Trump tweets should only be read by me Donald Trump and not that guy John DiDomenico I don't like him his hands are very very small I'm I'm telling you they're very small hands and I think we all know what that means
0: My guest today is Barbara Ehrenreich. She's the founder of the Economic Hardship Reporting Project, which supports journalism about the working poor. And she's the author of several books, including Nickel and Dimed, and most recently, Living with a Wild God. Barbara, thanks for joining me on Trumpcast.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me.
0: Barbara, just to get started, uh, maybe you could tell us what is the demographic group that you are paying the most attention to? Is it the white working class? Is it the working poor? Is it men who had union jobs and don't anymore? Who are we talking about here?
2: Well, I think the, the group that is most um, intriguing and uh, questionable, in a way, is the white working-class men who are attracted to Trump. Uh, I wrote a, a few weeks ago uh, an essay on the um, increasing mortality rate among working-class white people, Especially men, but women too. The only um, demographic group that I can think of that has actually seen its you know life expectancy decline. Uh, the leading causes of death that are part, helping to wipe out that demographic are uh, suicide and um, opioid addiction and uh, and things having to do with uh, depression.
0: And uh, this is a serious question. Do you see support for Donald Trump falling into that category? I mean, is it a sort of psychological reaction to being in a in a diminished condition? And are, is the, same, are the same factors that are driving uh, some people to drug abuse and suicide, driving them to support Donald Trump?
2: Possibly. This is, uh, you know, I cannot tie these things together. But, you know, I think there's a lot of anger in the Trump support, too. I have not found a polite way to say this, and I don't know if I can say it on a podcast, but Trump has become the fuck you candidate. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a way of saying no uh, to the political class, to the elite. We used to, we used to have and one things not that Donald Trump is an elite, but the support for him uh, earns wide disapproval <laughs> from the pundit class, including the right-wing ones. And it's, it's a way to say, so what? We like this guy because he is so obnoxious.
0: Right. So the more people like me criticize Donald Trump, the more it bonds him to the people who support him.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think uh, this is a demographic that's huge into reading Slate, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, no, I I think that it, it is a way, it's a form of defiance.
0: Barbara, I'm just going to read a little bit from your article in Salon. You wrote that, I grew up in an America where a man with a strong back and better yet a strong union could reasonably expect to support a family on his own without a college degree. In 2015, those jobs are long gone, leaving only the kind of work once relegated to women and people of color, available in areas like retail, landscaping, and delivery truck driving. This means that those in the bottom 20% of white income distribution face material circumstances like those long familiar to poor blacks, including erratic employment and crowded, hazardous living spaces. And you talk about that, Barbara, the loss of that as the loss of a psychological wage, which is a term you quote from W.E.B. Du Bois. Is that the loss of that psychological wage part of what's driving Trump's support?
2: Well, don't skip over the economic wage so quickly. Mm. Um, This is is a story of my my own family. Generation ago, uh, before me, uh, men were miners, or they were railroad workers. And they didn't live well, but they, they had fairly stable existences, and they had unions. Now, then you look down to the generation below me, can you see the young people without college degrees, um, delivery trucks, that kind of thing? You know, it, it's, it's very sad when you think about it. And a sad experience generationally to go through to see the declining opportunities, which are, of course, declining for middle class educated people, too. If they look at their children and ask, how are they going to go? You know, how are they going to thrive?
0: And so how do you connect that economic depl- decline to supporting Donald Trump?
2: It was part of a, the general feeling of despair and betrayal uh, that many people have. They, they thought um, people's lives were getting better from one generation to another. Now, at least whites at one point had that kind of psychological advantage of being white. And although that's not all psychological either, but there was that small that's edge which could get you a job more easily. Um, get you to school more easily, and so on. But that has been eroded.
0: So there's a rational aspect to this as well as an an irrational aspect.
2: Of course there's a rational aspect. The American working class of all colors was really gutted in the 80s and 90s and since then with the removal of the kinds of jobs that had once allowed a man with a high school degree or none to support a family
0: and and but there's an irrational element as well, which is that somehow black people are doing this to me, or people of color are at fault.
2: Well, I don't know that it's so much blaming them. it's um more like um let us have some of our traditional marks of status back, you know our our little symbolic marks of um white privilege back let us have our Confederate flag. You know, white people have often, especially perhaps in the working class, often set, um, you know, black people as sort of like the the bottom. That's that's the floor. They're there. We're here. So that you have a greater status because somebody else has a lower status. Uh, White working class people see, for example, on television, they can see People like themselves being mocked. There are so many shows that just, or that have featured kind of rural simpletons, white working class people as rural simpletons, like uh, Here Comes Honey Boo Boo or something, or Duck Dynasty. And that hurts.
1: So
0: there's still a, a vast gap in employment levels between white men and black men, between income. I mean, in all sorts of measures, whites are still working class. Whites are still significantly better off, right?
2: Oh yes, and that I mean, one of the most tragic aspects of the last um, decade has been really the wipeout of the black middle class in this country. But that may not be visible to you if you're also being wiped out.
0: Barbara, thanks for joining me on TrumpCast.
2: My pleasure, Jason.
0: That's it for today's episode of TrumpCast. Tell us what you think of the show by giving us a rating and review on iTunes. Don't forget to hit subscribe while you're there to catch the latest episode as soon as it releases. TrumpCast is produced by Henry Malovsky and Jason DeLeon. Slate's executive producer is Steve Lichtot. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. And today I'll leave you with a clip from Saturday Night Live this weekend about women who love Trump a little too much. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to TrumpCast.
2: All right, let's, let's just move on. Donald Trump also said that women who get abortions should be, quote, punished. How do you defend that? Okay, okay, so now, so, okay. So what
1: that is, is was Donald was just making an April Fool's joke because it was April Fool's.
2: Said that on March 30th. And that is why it is so funny. <laughs>